Hello, and welcome to Studio Class. I'm Megan Enan, your host and diva sidekick. I'm a mezzo-soprano on a mission to change the world through the commissioning, performance, and proliferation of new music. Are you just beginning your singing career? In the midst of building your successful empire, or anywhere in between, I hope you'll join me in this second season as we talk about the ins and outs of both a traditional and non-traditional singing path. It's not always easy, and if your experience is anything like mine, we barely scratched the surface of this in studio class. However, I'm here to give you the micro-actions that over time will transform your relationship to your career. Let's do this. Well, hello, divas. Thanks for joining me for episode number 15. In this 15th episode, I'm answering a listener question. Mary, who goes by the artist name Alark, asked me, probably not that recently, it's been a little while, so I'm sorry that I'm just now getting to this. But her question was, what metrics do you use to monitor your growth and how often do you check them? Do you outsource help? End quote. So today, divas, we're diving into my master list of activities and my singer goals, model tasks, workbooks, and I'm putting it all out there for you. Here we go. I responded to Mary's initial question by saying that for singing, I developed metrics based on performances plus new cities. I have a goal of constantly going to new airports, for example, and commissions, masterclasses and lectures, premieres, residencies, etc. She then asked, what type of metrics? Where did you learn those? When I told her that I developed this master list of activities that would make me feel like I'm quote unquote doing it. She wrote, please make a podcast about this. So here we are. And that brought to mind this Annie Dillard quote that I love that's from her book called The Writing Life. And the quote goes, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and with that one is what we are doing, end quote. And with a love for a quote like that, it's little wonder that I'm obsessed with to-do lists. So my type A personality simply cannot get enough of them. (laughs) I've written about my favorite form of the to-do list, which I call the 10-minute meeting on a number of occasions, but I'm going to share a little bit more about that with you here. The first time I introduced the 10-minute meeting was back in 2014. And we can spend our entire lives simply reacting to the incessant stimuli around us. And this is one of the reasons why creatives like hate email with such a passion. That constant stream of communication takes you out of your zone and puts you into reply mode. You do not have to swear off email, though, to make a big difference in controlling the flow of your day. All it takes is 10 minutes, I promise. So at breakfast or first thing in the studio, you have to block off 10 sacred minutes with yourself to outline your mission for the day. And these precious minutes are time to make a to-do list or like a get things, get shiz done style brain dump, if you will, which is a brainstorming the important creative elements of whatever you need for that day. The point is to do it regularly so that you have a course of action for just that day. And I find that it's extremely helpful for those moments when brain energy is low 
and you aren't sure what to do next, so you go back to your notes from your meeting and you pick up a new task. I have been actively keeping track of my 10-minute meetings since before I first wrote about them on the blog, on the Sybaritic Singer blog, and I've tried uh, so many productivity and goal-setting apps, one after another, and nothing lights up the planning and brainstorming side of my brain better than this 10 minutes on the timer with a legal pad and a pen. I've even done it in my bullet journal. But legal pad and a pen is, oh man, that gets me going. So we've been doing some cleaning recently and I came across a whole bunch of these legal pads that had my 10 minute meetings on them throughout the course of about three years or something like that. And I was just going to toss them in the recycling bin because I thought, oh, I don't need these anymore. And then I thought, well, my list making side of my brain really loves this. And so maybe I should turn these into a master list. So maybe you're kind of curious about other people's to-do lists like I am. So I'm going to share a little bit of those. And I put together a micro action spreadsheet. So when I create these lists, I set the timer for 10 minutes And it's my intention to write out micro actions that can be completed on that day. That's why the 10 minute element is so important. 10 minutes gives me just enough time to write all the things I need to know or all the things I need to get done in just a few extra moments to push me to come up with the next step. What else do I want to get done today often springs to mind. Or what can I do today that will help with this other upcoming project? My micro action spreadsheet is just a record of all of the items that I wrote down, not which ones I actually completed, although given my check marks, 90% of those were, so that feels pretty good. And my micro action spreadsheet is more of a list of how many times a certain action was on my mind more than anything else. So these were things that were popping up for me that I really wanted to get done and I was actively working on actively thinking of. So I kept a tally of how many times each micro action showed up on the list. And this is about, like I said, like three years. So um, these were micro action 10 minute meeting lists from about 2010 on to maybe about 2014, 2015, maybe even later. The number one thing that showed up on my list more than anything else was practice. <laughs> As a every good diva should have on her list. And practice was followed shortly thereafter by write thank you notes, which I think is really, really nice. And in between those was follow up on anything. I I didn't specify whenever I wrote follow up with so-and-so, follow up with this, or follow up on that conversation, something like that. It just, whenever I wrote the words follow up, on my 10 minute meeting, it got categorized into the micro actions as just follow up. So I think that's a pretty accurate outline for my career in singing, which is number one, practice, number two, follow up, number three, show appreciation. And I really love seeing certain items on the list because it kind of shows me those daily actions throughout a very full three years. Things like quit your job or file change of address or research apartments help remind me of making a big cross-country move. And then things like start an ensemble or send performance writer and 41 instances of make slash check-in travel arrangements remind me of just how committed to the work I have been. And 41 instances in times probably 
an- another two or something like that for more travel arrangements in the 2014 to 2017 time period. And then when it comes to the list, uh, it doesn't include necessarily a lot of really important things or a lot of really important non-business items. There are some slight nods to things like family and friend and personal time. And it's not that those didn't happen. I believe in having a beautiful balance between your career and your personal life. It's not that those didn't happen. It's just that I very rarely have to remind myself to include those as part of my business day. I have to include encouraging myself to do other random things like uh, file change of address forms or go to the DMV, but I don't really have to encourage myself to make times to go have uh, dirty martinis with the girls. (laughs) And I think that I wanted to go through a few of the things on my microaction to-do list first. So when I'm scrolling through my to-do, my microactions, the whole point about microactions is that we break things down to their smallest actionable step. Whenever we talk about microactions, it's not write a grant because writing a grant is full of hundreds of microactions. It's about breaking down all of the parts and pieces of writing a grant. So part of that might be outline the in-kind donations for the budget area of writing the grant, or it might be collect bios for narrative statement. And so when I'm thinking about my to-do list of my micro actions, I had things like contact a photographer, I had get a press pass, I had put together a list of internships, I had send an inquiry letter, I had send press release <laughs> like a whole bunch of times. Things like write venue scripts, write patron notes, add testimonials to website, do budget projections, email prospective students, create a sales lead or a sales funnel, listen to recordings, request room requirements or tech, work with website developer, things like, oh, uh, applications, apply to fill in the blank was on my list constantly. Create an opt-in or confirm a gig is on there at the same time as things like organize my digital files or respond to Facebook messages. (laughs) Because sometimes you just forget to do those things and they fall off the list and you have to remind yourself that that's what's going to happen. I had things like research venues, send a pitch letter, create an outline. Creating outlines for reviews and creating outlines for blog posts is something that I do often. I had call the bank, you know, tailor your clothes, things like that, where it's these little tiny things where you're like, oh man, I do have to do that. That always goes on my microaction 10 minute meeting list. I had things like creating Facebook events or a write update and send bio. Those are all separate line items. Contracts, W-2s are on there. Update your resume, plan practice times, update website calendar is its own specific line item. And those are all about just kind of the day-to-day actions of a music career, of how to run, like the micro actions of running yourself as a music business. That means these are how things get done. This is how 
I put myself out there to get gigs, how I make sure that I get paid for those gigs, make sure that I am getting people to come to those gigs. And doing all of that, when you are a solopreneur of sorts, you are responsible for all of those different aspects. And the more efficient you can get in your processes, the better you're going to do in all of those areas. And then you start to become the kind of person that other people rely on for those things. Or people notice you because you're doing all of those little parts and pieces. And every single time that you do them, creating a list, a process, for example, like update website calendar, that's obviously not that hard. But if you think about, okay, when do I need to update my website calendar or starting a process of every time I sign a contract, I update my website calendar right afterwards. That becomes a process then. It becomes a trigger. And that's how you start to become more visible and making sure that those things are happening in an efficient way. Which brings me to my singer goals. So micro actions, my list, my to-do list of micro actions was about things that I've accomplished, things that I have done, things that were on my to-do list to do. Singer goals are about what's coming up or what do I want to accomplish? And when Mary was asking me, what are your metrics? Like, how do you know that you're doing it? I had a very similar question. And I realized that once I hit my 30th birthday, yep, I'm not going to tell you my exact age, I suppose, (laughs) but it's over 30. (laughs) When I hit my 30th birthday, I realized pretty quickly that I had put a strong roadblock in my mind about that time period, or I had put this goalpost, for example, of where I should be in my singing career. And that became this looming feeling of, oh, I've, I'm, I've hit 30, which as a mezzo is supposed to be magical time. And, or as far as I heard from all of my voice teachers, don't worry, once you get to 30, everything will just magically make sense. And I was like, I still don't believe you, but that's cool. I realized that hearing this information over and over, I'd created the story about how when I got to 30, it would start to make sense. And I would know what I was doing and people would respond to what I'm doing. And I would feel like I'm really making it. And if I didn't feel that way, then I should quit singing. That became this very intense feeling once I I got there. And I thought, okay, well, um, looking back at my timeline, I feel very good about the accomplishments that I've done. I feel proud of the work that I've done. I feel like I still have lots of things to say as a musician. I feel like I have good ideas and I have good processes and good business skills to take this farther into the future. So I think I should keep doing this. Then I realized, oh, but I have not planned very well. What does singing look like in my 30s? I felt very strongly about what singing should look like in my 20s, which was basically just resume whore and just get everything that you possibly can onto your resume. (laughs) So hashtag resume whore. My 20s felt very much like that. It just felt like I was doing everything and saying yes to everything and having great experiences and learning and growing musically just at an exponential rate. And in my 30s, I, I wanted singing to look a little bit different. I didn't want to say yes to literally everything that passed my consciousness. I wanted to say yes to the things that really lit me up as a musician and made me feel like I was contributing to the canon or contributing, the canon is a problematic word, but contributing to our field in a way that made me feel proud of what I was doing. 
And I didn't know what that would look like necessarily if I just stopped say if I stopped saying yes to everything, how do I know what to say yes to? That brought me to my singer goals. I did some soul searching of my own. I did going back to, um, I think it's probably episode 11 or something like that, about kind of creating your own goals, creating your own goals based on a timeline. And so I did some of that. And I marked out 20-year goals and 10-year goals and 5-year goals and 2-year goals and 1-year goals and and creating quarterly goals based on those. And that's basically, you'll find some of that breakdown. But then I also took some of my idols and my models in the field of classical singing or, or 21st century voice, thinking about people that are singing the repertoire that I want to be singing and doing the kinds of things in music that I want to be doing. And I looked at, I just scoured their bios and I looked at their websites and I said, okay, what are their micro actions? What are their, what are the model tasks that I can glean from this? I did write down the specific places that they've done these things, but that part is not as important to me. It has to, I put the there mainly for the feeling. So when I wrote a specific composer's name, whatever that feeling that name conjured within me, I wanted to make sure that I was working with composers and it could be of any name that that made me feel that same way that, oh, wow, this is that kind of musical brain, that that musical language that I want to sing and bring to life on the stage. Those are the feelings that I was going for. And that's why I put the specific names in my list, but you don't have to. And I broke them down. So my model tasks... I'm just going to run through a whole bunch of them, but a lot of them had to do with uh, commissions. So I broke down commissions with metrics. So it's 10 commissions, 20 commissions, 30 commissions, or compositions that are written specifically for you because I want to be a force for new music commissioning. And so that becomes a very important model task for me. Then I looked farther and we see a lot of artist in residence type opportunities. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's great. So artist in residence at the these types of institutions make me feel like I'm contributing to the field, contributing to arts education and specific arts awards. Then we get into recordings and I broke down recordings by how many recordings and then premieres. And my premiere numbers are much higher because I'm devoted to new music. And I really think that I can change the world through the proliferation and performance of new music. So premieres are extremely important to me. Then competitions. There are some competitions on here. Competitions aren't the end-all be-all for me as a performer. I don't traffic in that currency. But there are some competitions that felt like, yes, if I felt that fire... These are the kinds of competitions that I'd like to be a part of. Certain composers, like I said, I named some names and it was just about, have I worked with a composer that makes me feel that way? Specific concerts, and I listed out the kinds of places. It's important to list out, okay, so different types of concert halls. And then there were things like specific art galleries. There were university gigs, house concerts. And I realized that's part of what I've done. Having run the Federal Hill Parlor series, I ran a house concert series in Baltimore before I moved. And it was really important to me to have that house concerts experience because it helps me connect with an audience in a more intimate way. And that really drives some other performance choices that I make. Certain conductors are on here. Certain conferences are on here. And I love this section 
particularly this next section, which is called created, created, fill in the blank. And so the things that these new music idols or mentors have created got put in here. So these are the people like they founded this festival or they founded this ensemble and what that means. And then those can turn into micro actions because it's all about, okay, so I see that you made that ensemble. What are the parts and pieces of creating an ensemble like that, that I can be a part of that is a legacy ensemble? Move from the creating section into lectures, into distinguished professor roles and master classes. You can kind of see how those are all kind of going together. So that teaching element, I heard once upon a time, and I'm not going to be able to remember the person that said it to me, but part of establishing your authority and your leadership in the field is to out teach everyone else. And I thought, oh, done. <laughs> so <laughs> you can see where I'm coming from with all of this. So lectures and master classes. And then I listed all of the ensembles that they have performed with that really spoke to me and gave me a feeling in, in a visceral feeling inside my body that said, yes, that's the kind of performing that I want to do. That's a very long list. <laughs> so I went on to residencies, uh, fellows, different festivals that they've been a part of. When I take a look at this list and I go, oh, okay, they were part of that festival. That's a kind of festival that appreciates the kind of music that I want to be doing as well. So I can try to apply for those things or look for opportunities to work with those festivals. There are things like Grammy nominations on this list because my idols and mentors have Grammy nominations and have Grammy wins. So that's on the list. Specific grants that they've been awarded uh, also go on this list. The labels that they've recorded with, certain operatoring productions that they've been a part of because I felt called and thought, oh man, of course, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to be part of a, a touring production. Different residencies. And then I also listed the types of publications that they've been reviewed in. So when those things are happening, when potential recordings are happening, these are the types of outlets that I would like to have that external social proof in to validate, to encourage people to check out my music, because if they walked that path, then I can also walk that path. And I think that's what I'm saying overall, is that you have to, to look at your mentors and your models and your, and your idols and say, what is the path that they walked and how many of those steps can I also walk? And then look at your timeline goals, your 20, 10, 5, 2, 1 year goals and see how they differ. What are the connecting sections of the Venn diagram between what you do and what your mentors have done? And then what are the things that are totally outliers? And does that help? Does that inform? Does that inspire the work that you do? Or is that actually getting in the way? You have to make those choices on your own. This has been an overview of some of my to-do list items over a long period of time, as well as my singer goals based on the work that I do and then the work of my idols and mentors. I hope that you'll share with me some of the items that regularly crop up on your list or feel free to ask me about any of the micro actions if they don't make sense. I'm happy to explain how they figured into my business plans. Those are separate documents, of course. I take to-do list items and I take these goals and I put them into my business plans and my my visioning documents. So I, I really want to hear from you. You can hit me up on Twitter. As always, I'm at Mezzo Enen. That's M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. Until next time, divas.
joining me for episode 15 of Studio Class brought to you by the Sybaritic Singer. Many thanks to Juanitos for the music featured in this episode. Hey divas, have you signed up for my email list yet? Would you like a diva sidekick for your music business? I think I know a gal. I have a pretty cool announcement coming out on Monday this week. So take a moment, go to bit.ly slash Diva Sidekick, that's capital D for Diva, capital S for Sidekick, bit.ly slash Diva Sidekick, and sign up. Do you have questions about this podcast or the information that I've presented here? Please go to SybariticSinger.com and get in touch. That's S-Y-B-A-R-I-T-I-C-S-I-N-G-E-R dot com and get in touch. Yeah.